This is Stanley bringing you the sound doctrine of the Bible. Under God, I conducted sound doctrine seminars in 1997, 2007, and 2012. The talks of these seminars are now made available to you in segments of 10 to 15 minutes each. They are for your enlightenment and edification. We continue from what we saw in the previous segment. I want to begin this day spending some time with you talking about the presence of God. Five facts I am going to give you about the presence of God today. The fifth fact about the presence of God. The spectacular manifestation of God's glory is according to his sovereign will. The spectacular manifestation of God's glory is according to his sovereign will. There can be some occasional manifestations of God's glory. They may be very spectacular in nature. But we should understand they are according to the sovereign will of God. It is not because the 120 priests, they started singing the Shekinah glory descended. The Shekinah glory descended because God wanted to manifest His glory. Afterwards, 1,200 people have been shouting in several places, but that Shekinah glory did not descend. And what happened on the day of Pentecost was the historical event in the dispensation of God. Now that is a historical event. That was a manifestation of God's glory in an unusual way. But that is not the norm in the church. Underline that word norm. That is not normative in church life. Tongues of fire were there only on the day of Pentecost. Once again. Tongues of fire came only on the day of Pentecost. After that we read about the outpouring of the Spirit in several instances. There were no tongues of fire. Places were not shaken every time the disciples prayed. They did not say, Lord, shake this place, shake this place. They did not pray like that. They said, Lord, take care of the threatenings. Give us boldness to preach the gospel. When they prayed, they were filled with the Spirit and the place was shaken. They did not ask for the shaking of the place. So the sovereign act of God cannot be compelled by human plea. But when we try to work up something, you know what happens? We produce a lot of Ishmael's. You will not produce Isaac's. You won't have Isaac, you will have Ishmael. For example, keep on singing a stanza again and 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 keep on fast beating the drum again and again and again and again. You get into some kinds of a religious fancy and you say, oh, the glory of God descended. No, nothing descended. 
because my bible is very clear in the words of jesus that kind of practice is not pentecostal that kind of practice is pagan matthew 6th chapter and verses 7 and 8 that's what i said we should study the sermon on the mount because that is the greatest sermon when you pray when you worship when you gather together and sing praises do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do they are chanting mantras again and again and several of them get possessed in that process jesus has made it very clear when you pray don't do it they think by their many words or their repetitions they will be heard because usually their bell goes to sleep or he goes on for long so you keep crying keep on shouting aloud and verse 8 do not be like them when you have a worship service there should be no similarity between your service and the pagan worship your father knows that you need these things even before you ask him now friends i would like to take the words of jesus literally because jesus christ spoke to common people to the multitudes this was his first sermon so we should just take the masses on face value you can ask god oh lord manifest your glory in our midst we have gathered and we are your people we want your glory to be manifested and revealed in a greater way in an unusual way in our midst you can pray like that instead you don't need to be shouting glory 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 no need that's paganism You see this is what is happening it's very common i'm very sorry no i'm not putting it subjectively i'm giving an objective approach to this truth and when i make that word fire i want to just make a reference to the baptism of fire this baptism of fire has become a very popular thing among christians baptism of fire is not for christian it is for non christians What did John the Baptist say? I baptize you with water. To whom was he speaking? He was speaking to a group of both converted and unconverted people, the multitudes. I baptize you with water. One mightier than I is coming, whose sandals I am not worthy even to loose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. What is that fire? John the Baptist immediately answered. He has a fan in his hand. Thoroughly he will purge his floor. All the good grains he will gather to the barn. But the chaff he will baptize with fire. He will burn them with unquenchable fire. 
to understand the meaning of baptism of fire, you should not go beyond what John the Baptist explained there itself. He is the one who gave that uh, explanation even in his very talk. And he said another thing also. Even before talking about this. Axe is laid at the root of every tree. And every tree that does not bring forth fruit shall be cut down and baptized with fire. How is it? Simple truth. I am not twisting it. But that's what he said. He said very clearly. He gave the explanation. So, addressing the multitude of the mixed multitude, grain and chaff, he said, he shall baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. But later on, when Jesus spoke to his disciples, turn with me to Acts of the Apostles, first chapter and fifth words. Very carefully he left out that fire. Verse 5. Here he was talking to the disciples. They are not chaff. They don't want baptism of fire. They were grains. And what did he say? John truly baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Deliberately he left out that word fire here. See, the biblical interpretation is very important. If the Bible is not properly interpreted, there will be lots of confusion in Christendom. Immediately somebody will think, oh, God is a consuming fire. Yeah, he is a consuming fire. He does not consume grains. He consumes chaff. Grains he will gather in his barn. Anything that is unholy, unrighteous, unacceptable in the sovereign plan and purpose and economy of God, that he burns with fire. There is no doctrine called baptism of fire in the New Testament. It is totally an invention of that physical feeling that people wanted to inject into Christendom. It is paganism. It is not Bible. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. And the fire, the tongues of fire, that was only occasional, that came only once, and that was just historical event. Do not try to work out anything, work up anything, beloved. You know why? That which is born of flesh, is flesh. Let me say that again. Let me give it as a warning to all of you sitting here who have some leadership responsibility to congregations and churches. Flesh, what is born of flesh, is flesh. With all your fleshly enthusiasm, filial feelings, you try to bring up something on your congregation you will beget only flesh. Turn with me to John's Gospel, 3rd chapter, where Jesus made that statement. Verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. 
any preacher who tries to produce something on the congregation will produce Ishmael. But that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Verse 8 The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound thereof, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone born of the Spirit. That's what I told you. The revelation or the manifestation of God's glory is according to the sovereign will of God. It blows where it lives. Where it comes from, where it goes, you don't know. We should just flow with the Spirit and we should not work up anything by our flesh, producing flesh and his minds. The spectacular manifestation of God's glory is according to his sovereign will. We'll continue our study in the next segment. God bless you.